Kevin Schmidt, Managing Editor of Farm Equipment. Welcome to Farm Equipment's Used Equipment Remarketing Roadmaps Podcast. In this episode, brought to you by Iron Solutions, host Casey Seymour of Moving Iron LLC talked with Aaron Fintel of 21st Century, David Gibson from H&R AgriPower, Kurt Miller of Heritage Tractor, and Jack Berg of Bodensteiner Implement about the Sinclair Tractor auction in Sigourney, Iowa earlier this winter. If you're tuning in for the first time, I encourage you to subscribe via iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, or TuneIn Radio. By subscribing, you're alerted when each upcoming episode is released. Before we turn things over to Casey, a quick word from Iron Solutions, who's making this podcast a reality. Iron Solutions provides dealers with an array of lifecycle management services that drive sales and profits. Their Iron Search and Iron Guides are all about managing your dealership more efficiently and profitably, while Iron Search allows you to directly showcase your equipment online to a wider universe of buyers. Visit www.ironsolutions.com today. Casey starts the conversation off talking with Aaron Fintel and David Gibson. All three offer their take on the Sinclair Tractor auction that took place in December and sold around $11 million worth of equipment, which Casey says was for the most part low hour and late model equipment. Let's just jump right in here. So, Aaron, you were, Dave and I were both there on the ground, but, but you were watching it on the internet. So, what were you seeing happen on the internet, and what was the, what was kind of the atmosphere you felt like happened there online? I I had the the sound up too, so I heard everything you guys heard. It was pretty crazy, honestly. As you're watching there on the internet, and you, you know, I had a theoretical buy bid in mind on every piece that was on there, all the powered units. And as soon as that lot would come up before they're even selling it, the internet bidding would jump, 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 and pretty soon help pass. <laughs> you know, what what I had in my mind is a good buy number. And it did that on numerous pieces. I've never really seen it do that before where they're not even selling it yet and the internet bidding just takes off like fire. All in all, I thought less than half of it was was sold to internet bidders and it seemed like a substantial amount of it went to end users, which, you know, reflects in the price. It was, they ought to be very, very happy because I think it was extremely strong. And David, when we were sitting out there talking, and I think it started out, there was quite a few people there. And then as, you know, as obviously like any auction as the day kind of tells on, the crowd got smaller and smaller. But to Aaron's point, when I would watch that, it seemed like a lot of that stuff stayed right there in the ring and not a lot of, not a lot of internet stuff was going on. What's your reflection of, of kind of what happened there? And, and then maybe jump in with some of the stuff that you maybe talked to some other wholesale buyers and, and jockeys that you might have ran into. Sure. First off, you have to give kudos to uh, Sullivan Auctioneers. They just, they, they run a quality show. And the, the neat thing they do about those big auctions like that is they will waive the proxy fee. They eat that. So really, there's no, other than being there and, and seeing the equipment, an internet buyer, there's no benefit. He's not paying a premium to uh, purchase the, he, he doesn't have to be there, I guess is what I'm saying. And, uh, you know, the, the, the main jockeys were there. They probably bought 12 to 15 pieces there all day long. Didn't know what to expect when I saw their sale bid on you I wanted to go. Uh, I was blown away with how well things sold because there are a lot of just repetition of units. You know, 9470Rs, S680s, S690s, um, you know, all very close on hours. I went there not really knowing what to expect, but I was just blown away with how well things did. 
Yeah, I would agree with you. I mean, I think the way they had that stuff set up in the overall screen scheme of things was really benefited the way stuff sold. Because, for example, like they had all those S660 combines there and those the way they had it set up, it went, you know, S690, S670, S660. And then about five or yep. six or seven pieces went sold in between that. And then they had another set of three same way set up. Yep. So there wasn't anyone going to get tired of watching S660 sell because mm-hmm. you know, by the time no. you get the last one, you're at the very end of the line. A neat thing for for me was typically when you go to an auction up in the Midwest like that, nearly every combine there will be two-wheel drive. But, you know, there were probably a dozen four-wheel drives, which that's important to me because we're in a primarily – we're in a 100% four-wheel drive market. So you really got to see how much a two-wheel drive versus a four-wheel drive would bring. I was really surprised. You know, they say – at auction, if you have a big auction like that, it's 50 to 60 cents on the dollar. And, and I don't know where they were as far as what they had in the equipment, but, man, they had to be happy with what they what they accomplished there on Monday. Yeah, no doubt about that. Aaron, what do you think about, you know, you look at the values and with, you know, what, what you and I do and, and what David does as well, but we are always looking at if we have to punch our ticket and jump out, what that's going to look like. How do you feel like uh, the values went? I think everything was ultra strong. Um, for an auction, a dealer auction, and a dealer auction of that size, all three of those things taken into account, I think it was super, super strong. Like I was saying, there's every powered unit, I had a buy number figured, you know, on a sheet of papers going by that. And when when the previous lot would flip off the screen, the current lot's on there, but they're not even live selling it in the ring yet or on the ground. The internet bidding starts jumping, jumping, jumping that day, and it was it was unreal. And very little of it was, you know, a bigger percentage was sold on the ground than online. You take all those three things into factor, and it was, I mean, it was just a really hot sale. There was maybe one or two pieces in, in my mind, that I would want to own at that number and still be able to, as you say, punch a ticket and jump out. It was retail numbers. It was, you know, it seemed like hot action. There wasn't a long, didn't have to try real long to get the numbers they got. And it was, God, it was just strong. You know, like yeah. Dave was saying, I don't know where they were at in stuff, but they ought to be just absolutely tickled shitless about how things did. Dave, what do you think was the... uh this is this is the kind of question that I've I've asked a lot of people on this podcast about kind of where they see the direction of the market heading into 2018. Ten years from now, we're going to guess what the market's going to be. And, and, um, you know, sometimes guessing six months is no different. That's, that's true. But but David, when you looked at what they had to do, my my feeling right now is there's a lot of obviously there's pent up demand. Farmers love to buy equipment. That's that's what they enjoy doing. Probably more than farming, but um, when you start looking at the things that guys are trying to recondition and trying to keep just piecemeal together as much as they can, do you think a lot of those machines, because they were low hour machines, do you think a lot yep. of those machines drew those guys in thinking like, well, one, they're low hour machines, and two, during the auction, they were reading off, you know, the litany of, of things that had been done to them, you know, during why they had them there on their lot. So you feel like maybe the, the hours and that kind of all played together and, and that perfect storm of, of I need to update my machine or pay a high shot bill. That's kind of what was driving those prices. Well, here, here's what I, here, I've thought a lot about it. As these auctions have gone on through the year, 
you have seen less and less low-hour, late-model stuff mm-hmm. out there. So this happens, and you get to thinking, okay, is it all sitting there owned by CNH Capital and Dear Credit? You know, is it lease returns that are just stockpiled away somewhere? Or what's the story? Because what we saw happen Monday with the way commodity prices and, and the farm outlook is was forecast to be, that shouldn't have happened. Yeah. But there was such a there was such a glut, or well, it wasn't really a glut, but there was such a nice offering of low hour, clean, late model stuff. And that's not you know I the the line I represent. There were two red pieces on the whole sale. But the neat thing about what Mr. Sinclair would do was he would be up in the truck and he would just about I would say eighty percent of the machines. He would tell them exactly how many dollars they had spent in reconditioning, and you know, he he did a good job. They just that whole thing. I, I just think it was the planet lined up correctly. Again, what we saw, you know, just because of the number of the same tractor, or the same combine, or the same disc ripper, or, or whatever, even the planters, you know, those yeah. uh, those NT planters, some of those things were pretty old, and they did really good. Yeah. The planters were the one thing that I thought had, they sold well, but I thought for what they were, they might have been a little bit soft. And I think that is the guy upgrading to that planter mm-hmm. is, he didn't, he didn't have any, any of the real command or any of that kind of stuff. Some of those had real command on there, I guess, but didn't have the high technology stuff. Yeah. You know, because there was a, there was the example there of, uh, there was a Kinsey planter that sold a 24 year old Kinsey planter. I think it was a 3650 maybe. Yep, if I remember right. And right next to then the the next one to it was a sixteen row John Deere seventeen seventy GCS and the Kenzie sold for sixty eight thousand maybe. And seventy two. Seventy two, okay. And then the deer right next to it sold for what was it like fifty eight or something like that? Yeah, <laughs> I think you're right. And I was surprised that, that Kenzie sold for as much more than, than the deer did. My my thought process was that Kenzie had some more technology on it that the deer didn't have. And sure. so I <laughs> think only that, but you're literally in Kinsey's backyard. You know? Right. That's true. Yeah. That's very true. Very true. But I think there's probably uh that planter thing is gonna be gonna be a bigger deal, I think, coming in the spring. Those used seventeen seventy five planters or stuff that's got precision on it and or, you know, Kinsey planters that got precision stuff on that high technology, high speed planter stuff. I really think that's gonna start really kind of really showing itself and what that value is going to be like. And here's the other thing on the planter market, and this is my opinion, you know, how many years ago was it that we just had a glut of planters? What, three years ago? I mean, we were all we were all dying with planters, but, you know, company-wide right now, we just don't have that many. So, yep. you know, supply and demand. Yeah, absolutely. Well, in my mind, there was nothing that was too low because I didn't buy it. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, there was, you know, uh, something I didn't buy that I thought that I thought was was a deal. Still, kinda was that uh, that sixteen four seventy R four wheel drive. Yeah, just because it was a sixteen, you know, it's five hundred hours. The problem, you know, for what I would call all of North America marketability is, you know, it, it, it was cheap because it was a 16, 
but it was standard flow hydraulics bareback you know it was just yeah. a it was just a lugging horse and that has a big impact in the four wheel drive market some things that i thought were oh my god i can't believe it there there's two 14s and a 13 and granted you know that's the used one and granted they're a bazillion dollars when they're new but and, and they were set up right you know they were all dual chopper contour combines but they were still over a thousand hours. Yeah. You know, yeah. Probably the number one biggest, oh my God, was that 13690 at 1500 set. And that damn thing brought 192. You know, that is, that really blew my mind. Absolutely. I was shocked. Yep. Yep. David, what do you see out there that was a big shocker to you? Well, the red guy's going to gravitate to the only red piece there. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, that Tiger 450 quad out there, it was a yeah. 13 model with 900 hours, and people were coming up to me, you know, I'm supposed to know what's this mm-hmm. thing going to do, and I was guessing well under 200,000. Yeah. Well, that crazy thing uh, brought 221,000. Yeah. And a jockey... Interestingly enough, a jockey that I know was about he he I sat there watched him. He he quit at two nineteen, and I'm thinking, good lord, how, how can he haul this home? And but you know, to, that that was the thing that surprised me, just because that's my brand, and, and I just never thought it would get there. Something else I was thinking too, Dave, is we were talking about the jockey buying and stuff. There there was a few things that I know jockeys bought. And I. I mean, that, it was eye-opening that they would pay that for what it was. And I think, just like that contract, and even for the farmer market, I think just the, you know, other than, you know, case in point, that 690 I just said, but them tractors, by and large, all them tractors were low-houred. They were low-houred rigs, and I think it was a huge, huge driver for them bringing what they brought. It was it was a big hour auction. That was that was the thing too. Like, and I'll, I'll back to David's point there on that. That was the one uh, machine that I watched sell. I wasn't even really paying attention to it and was selling. I was talking to a guy and I heard someone say two fifteen, and there when he was crying up there, and I was like, did he just say two <laughs> fifteen? And and the guy's like, yeah, they're they're going. So I started watching it. Close it, what, 221 or 222 or yeah, whatever it was? It, it was 221. Yeah. Like, Holy crap, I can't believe that thing went for that kind of money. Because I was like, well, I was with you, David. I was guessing 160, 165, maybe 170, you know? Yeah. And I didn't think it'd get anywhere near 190, much less over 200,000 like that. So that, that was my that was my shocker. Of the, yeah, of and, the and then the other, the other thing that kind of surprised me is, is – the lowest hour tractor out there, I think, was that 8270R, 16 model, 183 hours. Yep, and, yep. And, the, and the jockey bought that. And I'm yep. like, holy cow. I, you know, I think those guys, and I know a lot of them, I think that, you know, they, they're they they're very good buyers. But I also think, you know, it, it takes a lot to get out there. And uh, I think they're going to buy something if they can go out that far. Yep, that's exactly right. They kind of the don't go home empty handed mantra. Yeah. So this time last year we sell we all sent watched that, that SEMA auction, which is coming up on Wednesday next week. On the twentieth. It had it, it sold pretty well and it did pretty good. So taking a look at what they have and I haven't really studied the auction bill that much, but I know they have a 
a decent amount of equipment back on there. How do you think that one's going to play out, and, and what's your prediction for for that one moving forward? Because the day after this one, we watched the uh, what was that one we watched online there? Oh, Stephen uh, Schrader. 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 Okay, Schrader. Yeah. <laughs> that stuff on there sold really well for what it really? was. So and then also, it was all. I don't mean it was. A, we watched the online part. We weren't in person by any means, but it I'm, seemed like I'm that was predict, well. I'm going to predict that uh, that Simo will do really well too because last year I think it was on November 29th. They're a little later this year, but their timing is pretty good because they're coming right off the heels of Sinclair. Plus, it's another Sullivan. They've been promoting it pretty hard and heavy, and plus they're going to waive the proxy bid fees again. So, you know, if I'm a guy that wanted to buy something at Sinclair, I mean, the stuff that was at uh, SEMA last year was just as good a quality. So I I haven't studied the sale bill hard either, and I'm not going to make that one, but I think that they're probably sitting in a pretty good place today. Yeah, you guys think they got to have some level of... uh, pretty high confidence that they're going to do pretty well coming off of what happened there. And yeah. it all goes back to even in the neck of the woods up there where they're going to be at, or for the local folks that are going to be there, within a two or 300-mile radius of there, they all had good yields, you know. Yeah. And I, that was what was driving the buyers there. They all had great yields. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens. And I think there yeah. could be some some fun there again. I think so. Yeah, I I, th- I think their auction will be it, it's a lot more diverse than uh, Sinclair's was. You know, there there's not such a large number of nine R's and eight R's and that kind of thing. You know, there there's a, a couple RTs, a couple eight R's, a couple seven R's, um, some of that off branded red junk, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then combines, you know, there there's just a few combines and you know, it's it's really very, very broad even mix. So you know, typically in a situation like that, you know, you'll have you could have an old ninety what is that thing on there that caught my eye? A ninety one hundred series Steiger. You know, that that's a pretty good-looking rig, shined up real nice. You know, that that could be a kind of auction on there where that thing takes off and runs and is on Machine Repeats TV show because of it. You know, it, it could just be one of them kind of auctions where it's diverse enough, you draw that kind of crowd, and two guys fall in love, and last one, the, la- the last one with his hand up loses, so... Hey Casey, I have a question for you on, on on last Monday. You know, a lot of these auctions you go to, you'll see two farmers that'll lock up. You know, ego gets in there and pride gets in there, and the next thing you know, they're they're paying twenty thousand more than they should have. But I didn't see. Did you notice much of that going on Monday? You know, I see a couple guys kind of start getting in a in a little bit of a pissing match with each other, but not really. I mean, it was. Yeah. I think like we talked to guys stayed at our hotel. He came all the way out there from Greeley, Colorado to bid on a on a, one of the track machines that were out there and he got there he didn't even bid. He didn't even, I don't I don't know what he what about you know, didn't make him even bid on anything, but I didn't really notice that. You know, I saw a lot of guys that probably had a set number in their head. They ran it up to that and I think there's a lot more a lot of guys were being a lot more conservative with with the number that they were gonna go to than they probably have ever been in the past. 
where they had a set number and they can't go past that number and unless they got an extra five bucks in their wallet. And that, that's about all they're going to be able to do. So I think that was probably, in my opinion, that's probably what was driving a lot of that. Was just, I've got 200 grand to spend and that's it. I can't spend any more. I think we've covered it for this section. Any last thoughts about the, about the auction or kind of going through the end of the year? No, you know, just same thing a hundred times. It was it was a strong, strong auction, and you know, I think that's a that's a good indicator for the industry that that everything's not completely dead, and there's sales to be made out there if if you get after it. So that's right, get after it. Positive outlook. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's a different year. I mean, we we've had a tremendous combine year. Um, we, we've really done well. But I mean, the the and and I don't do retail at all. I do mainly wholesale. But I do I do know the guys are having to the retail guys are having to get out there and hustle more than they have. But going into I've got I have two more big ones that I'm going to go to next week. And uh, now they're they're more consignment options. They're not absolutes. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But uh, we shall see. We'll get back to Casey and the others in a minute, but first a quick word from the company who made this podcast possible, Iron Solutions. Iron Solutions has deep roots in the ag industry with products for producers, dealers, manufacturers, ag retailers, and service providers. Visit www.ironsolutions.com to see solutions that streamline your operations, improve productivity, reduce costs, and speed your growth. Casey, Aaron, and David started off their conversation discussing the strength of the auction and the somewhat surprising amount of internet bidding that took place. They also discussed where they see the used planter market going in the year ahead. Here's Casey with a quick message about moving iron. Hello, I'm Casey Seymour, and I want to thank Farm Equipment Magazine for partnering with me to bring you the Farm Equipment Podcast Series, Used Equipment Remarketing Roadmap. The podcasts are taken from my weekly podcast, Moving Iron Podcast. Moving Iron Podcast is a podcast designed for ag equipment dealers by ag equipment dealers. The weekly podcast focuses on current events and trends across the ag equipment marketplace in North America. Along with dealers, I interview the biggest names in the ag industry. Chip Nellinger of Blue Reef Ag and Marketing is a regular guest talking about commodity markets and risk management. You can also hear guests like Greg Machinery Pete Peterson and Tyne Morgan of the U.S. Farm Report. If you are in the ag equipment business or have an interest in the ag equipment business, this is a must listen for you. You can find the podcast at movingironllc.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and SoundCloud. Also at movingironllc.com, you can find information on the 2018 Moving Iron Summit in Las Vegas, past and current episodes of Moving Iron Podcast, and articles from the Moving Iron blog. Throughout the year, there will be guest bloggers writing on various topics from their point of view. You can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC, or you can find me on LinkedIn. And if you would like, you can send me an email at movingironpodcast at movingironpodcast.com. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour, out. Thanks, Casey. Let's get back to the program now and listen in as Casey switches gears slightly and talks with Kurt Miller and Jack Berg to get their take on the auction. Now I have with me uh, Jack Berg of Bodicider Implement and Kurt Miller of Heritage Tractor. Both those guys were there on site with me when we were watching that auction. Kurt, let's go ahead and jump in with you. So give me kind of your kind of opinion of what you saw and 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 what was your reaction to the overall sale? Yeah, I, I think they had a good sale. I think, obviously, timing is, is everything in this market. And I think uh, Sinclair probably hit the nail on the head as far as timing goes. You know, the market seems to be a little bit stronger now. And 
and it seems like the ADAR market is uh, picking up some strength, and and I think it showed at this sale. You know, you got to sell. That's a lot of combines on one sale, and my best estimation, I think they did good on every one of them combines, and I think everything overall. I think it was a strong sale. I think I heard Solomon's today say that it was uh, $11 million worth of equipment that they sold. So a lot of equipment at one sale. Yep. So I think, all I, like I said earlier, they're, they're gonna, they did a really good job about uh, kind of how they staggered that stuff in there. And they, wasn't, they weren't selling a bunch of stuff at the same time all the same way. So it was uh, worked out pretty good. So, uh, Jack, what did you see there? And, and then with that being about – 90 miles from where you're at. What's your reaction to the to the uh, auction, and how do you think it's going to affect what happens in your marketplace? Well, I would echo what Kurt said. I, I think the sale, all in all, was really pretty darn respectable. Um, values really really seem to hang in there. Um, combines were, I think, really what what they should have been, and. and like you say, to line up 30 combines of that caliber and and sell them, that, that's a task in and of itself. And and uh, Dan and the guys at Sullivan did a, did a good job mixing that in and, and keeping keeping that moving and not having it turn into a, um, you know, something like that can be, a, can be a bloodbath if you have them all lined up and start hammering down the row. And then that didn't, that didn't occur at all. Um, and, and actually, you know the the tractor the tractor values were good. Uh, planters, I was a little bit surprised myself. I thought for what the planters were that they they had on the sale, they they brought really good values um, on those items. So it's uh, never <laughs> never exciting to see that new of equipment in that kind of volume on a sale. It's not really healthy for the retail business, period. But I guess the bright side of that is that the values were high enough that uh, I don't see it having some huge ripple in our marketplace. So, I mean, you're disappointed being that close to it that it occurs to start with, but I guess if, if there's a silver lining, and I think there is, that the values were they were, were very respectable when it, when it all gets said and done. What do you think right now is is the biggest driver for demand? And, and either one of you jump in on this, but when you look at what's going on and, and the amount of equipment that's that we're looking at as far as valuations go and 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 all that, the, the commodity prices tell you that that they shouldn't be buying anything. But there's there's quite a bit of activity out there. Granted, there are a lot of bushels that go along with that. But like, what do you think the demand's coming from? I think uh, I mean my my opinion is you know. I think it's uh I think it's kind of been boiling up for a while um really all all year um in in my estimation and and even before that some of these guys that are buying you know haven't bought for a while one two obviously we have the year end tax push I mean we all know that it's been a struggle for um farmers um it's been tight uh it seems like they went they got done with the harvest Bushels, at least in, in most areas, were were there, um, so they had a pretty good crop. And then they went to see their tax person, and the tax person said, "You're going to be, you know, you're going to be paying some taxes this year." And we all know that no farmer likes to pay taxes, and so they're investing that back into their operation, and and so they haven't invested in machinery for a while, and so they're uh, 
they're they're doing that right now, and I think uh, these year-end auctions are showing it. The, the the reflection of the numbers that we're seeing is showing a strong demand, and uh, and it's for things essentially things that the farmers are going to be using here really quickly. You know, obviously a, a tractor any time of the year, but a, a planter and sprayer, a couple sprayers that, sh- that sold on there, and so. The anhydrous applicator, you know, 2510H, they sold for a strong price. So that's my take on it anyway. Yeah, I, I'm on the same page there. I think your demand comes from the fact that a lot of guys have been out of the market for a while, and it, and it's just purely based on if they have an upgraded machine, then it's, that's the machine that's, that's up to, you know, the, if it's the combine or you know, needed to do something different with the tractor or what have you. But if that's next in line to get upgraded and say they haven't done anything in three, four, or five years, and now's the time, now's the time. You know, if you're going to keep farming, you're going to have to keep keep viable equipment out there. I, I think that, that drives part of it. And, and the other part is nobody's situation, no, no two situations are the same. So while one guy may be in a, you know, in a challenging position from a, a grosser net income perspective for the year, the next guy may be in, in just fine position. So I, I think you're just gonna you're gonna get some demand driving from from different places. The tax factor plays into it this time of year. I think just a, just a variety of reasons. I think we got to give it to Sullivan. I mean, I, I I tell you what, I was impressed with uh, like you said, Casey, the lineup of equipment. They didn't have all of the eight R's lined up. They didn't have all the nine R's lined up. All the combines. They had a nice mixture, um, and it was mixed in there. So essentially, most people hung on to the end, or very, you know, very close to the end. Um, very professional. Uh, they were straightforward. Um, you know, they. I think they did an excellent job on this sale. Um, obviously, brought in a great crowd. I think they had like 600 online bidders, is what uh, is what they said. So an online presence that was good as well. So. Um, and then Sinclair Tractor, myself, I mean, I was impressed. And I think Sullivan said that, Dan said that a couple times. You know, they had all the ROs that that they had worked on the equipment. They printed them off. They told what they did. And all the equipment, I think, outside of maybe one planter, they, they had worked on and done something to and got it ready to go for the next guy. So I think... Uh, Sinclair did their homework too, and and they uh, they did a lot of work to prepare for the auction. And, and I think uh, between Sullivan and Sinclair, uh, them two married up together to have a, a good auction, and they did a lot of work to get there. That's one thing about Sullivan; they do they do run a pretty good auction, and they've they've had great success with 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 the ones they've had out there. But kind of back to the point earlier of of where where I think demand's coming from, I, I'll kind of echo a lot of what you guys said. But if I kind of heard what you were saying, I think a lot of demand right now. Is coming from. I'm going to trade off my whatever it is because there's some reconditioning that I have to do, and I'm not really ready to make a payment and do a big reconditioning bill at the same time. I think that might have a lot to do with it, and or just the fact of if I'm going to spend thirty thousand dollars to recondition the machine, I can take that same thirty thousand dollars and put it as a down payment on a different one, pushing a different thing. This particular auction here was one of those ones that everything seemed to have low hours on it. You know what I mean? There was the combines were low houred, the tractors were low houred. You know, so there was a good opportunity for people to go and jump in on that, you know, late model low hour machine that had been some had some serious reconditioning done to it. Uh, I think overall there's there's a good thing now. 
let's do a hypothetical here. Say this auction took place in June or July or August or whatever. Do you think the same outcome would have would have been there? Uh, you know, I went to the Sullivan auction here. It was just north of our uh, north of our store. A pretty good sized producer in our area um, sold in August, and he had I think it was three eight R tractors, and then essentially three auctions just like within two weeks here in our area. And Sullivan's had done one, and uh, you know it was considerably different. Um, of course, it wasn't the size of this auction, but you know just the presence and just the amount of bidders and the amount of activity that was going on at that auction in August versus this auction in December. It was just a different mood in the crowd, and uh, in this crowd, at least from what I gather, I mean there was. The, the guys that were bidding either online, obviously, or in the crowd, they were ready to bid, and they were there for a reason, and they were ready to buy. They they were ready to buy. In August, um, the, the auction that I went to, it, they they just thought, well, if I get a bot, I get a bot. If I don't, I don't. And that wasn't the mood at at least what I gathered on the Sinclair tractor auction. It was like, I'm, I'm going to buy that piece, and, and I'm going to do everything I can to buy it. Yeah, I agree with that. There, I mean, you're going to have a, a different... Uh at least in this case, it was definitely a different a different buyer at this sale than you have earlier in the year. Those guys were there to do business in, in most cases. And, you know, Sullivan's will do a great job any time of year. I've known Luke and Jim and Dan for quite some time and, and, and they do they do wonderful work, like you guys said, and they can they can get a crowd going, they can draw a crowd. I mean they can get they can get the excitement rolling, but I think we've seen some very interesting things on this auction this week. We had a few uh, customers, like I said, we're relatively close to, uh, well, we're both on the eastern end of Iowa, I guess you put it that way, our organization and, and Bob Sinclair's. And, and so we had some customers migrate down there to, to go to the auction. And, and, and I hand this to, to Sullivan. Truthfully, you get the excitement of an auction. There's some people that paid, quite frankly, that paid for some of the machines that they bought down there, a couple guys from our area, that they paid within a couple thousand dollars of list price of what we had for the same machine in a few cases. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it, I, you got to give that the excitement of the auction and time of year and, you know, just ready to do something, right? Yeah, I mean, when I look, I went back and I, I tried to do some correlations between what the sell price was and then where we were at as far as our, our ask prices going. I'm still trying to kind of weed through that and kind of get a feel for where that's at. But I have a pretty good pretty good assumption that, that there's going to be, uh, you know, what we what we have for pricing on our machines are going to be fairly close to what that stuff sold for. And like you said, Jack, I think a lot of that stuff was selling for close to retail, if not at retail. I guess that kind of leads me into my, my next point is it seems like the auctions that I've been watching here of late, um, then there are a few kind of here and there that aren't going to fall into that into the statement that I'm about to make, but it feels like that that retail um, and auction correlation is starting to get tighter. And I don't know if it's because the machines that are selling at that auction, we have machines just like that that we can't get rid of, and we were asking the same amount of money they sold for at an auction, so. That tells me that the retail marketplace, and, and maybe I'm reading way too much into it, but it tells me that the retail marketplace and that the auction marketplace have a, a stronger correlation than they probably had in the past three to five years. What do you guys think about that? In the farm retirement sales, I would say it's definitely the case. I think it, this sale would be a little bit unique where you could say there was definitely, like you said, you see a stronger correlation. Dealer sale or consignment sale, you wouldn't be near the correlation that you would have this. 
that way. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right, Casey. Um, you know, I, I've been I've been thinking about that for a little while as well, talking to, uh, you know, I try to give the sales guys some comparisons on auctions um, just to, you know, just to put it out there, obviously, because it's something that we need to be aware of. In my In my opinion, I get a little pushback from that, like we're not an auction company, we're retail. Well, I understand that as well. And you know what, 10 years ago, and 15 to 20 years ago, for sure, in my opinion, that auction price was over here on the left side of the room and the retail was on the right side of the room and you talked about retail or you talked about auction. But in the day and age that we're living in, where Sullivan can have 600 online bidders on an auction like this, and I don't know what percentage went to online auction, but I would say a pretty good percentage of it did go to online auction. So it's changed our market dramatically. And I think we have to be aware of that. We're mixing more of the auction prices with the retail prices. I, I'm saying that the dealer, we have a lot more to offer. We have the value of, of extended warranty, the value of um, interest, and obviously the value of trading for the piece of equipment. And I think that's where a dealer's strong points come in and the service and parts and all that. And I think that's what we have to do. We have to do a good job of selling that to our customers. But we have to do a good job of knowing where that market is, auction, wholesale, and retail, a lot more than we used to in the past because a guy in, you know, western Nebraska is going to know what an F670 is worth in eastern Illinois. I mean, it's, it's just where we're at. Kurt, I, I think you're right. I, I think you're 100% right, especially when you get to the to the number of online bidders and, and really how the stronger auction companies provide far more competition today than they did not that long ago, right? Because it's so easy for any of our customers to go buy in these formats, either drive to wherever the auction's at or get online and buy free online bidding, you know, on and on and on. I think truthfully, guys, this is just my take on it. I think part of the root of the problem is that as as a dealer organization, this is a self-fulfilling prophecy if we keep taking large volumes of late model equipment such as this and putting it in that funnel, we're going to get what we're getting out the other end of it and, and, and kind of polluting everybody's backyard with it in, in one way, shape, or form. Just my take on it, but the supply feeds the, feeds the issue. And That's a great point, Jack. I mean, I think it all kind of comes back to being disciplined about how you how you value your equipment and, and understanding the plan and, and knowing what you're going to do. When, when you make a when you make a trade in, um, you know these mid, Midwest auctions, you know, are going to to draw in everything from, you know, basically the Rocky Mountains east to to what the Ohio River Valley, and that's going to be, you know, all the way down through the through the whole center of the country, and those that that, that whole draw is going to be there. You know, I don't know. It seemed like most of that stuff stayed right right around there. I saw that it didn't seem like the art, the internet was was buying a whole lot that day. But uh, if you look around there, so most of that stuff's probably going to stay within a couple hundred mile radius. That being said, yeah, next week I'm flying up to uh, Rochester to Minnesota to go to SEMA's auction. And that's, what, 200 miles, 300 miles, something like that, from, from where this one took place at. So it's going to be interesting to see how those two correlate and what happens there. And if they have similar success, which I I don't know why they wouldn't. It's it's going to be a similar situation as far as crop conditions went and, and yields and all everything else. So there should be a very, very similar thing. And a lot of the folks that were 
runner-ups uh, and uh, at Sinclair's deal, they're going to be up there bidding on that stuff up there the, the, just the same way. So it, it will be uh, interesting to see how it works and how things shake out and what that looks at. To your point, Jack, the more of these options that are there, the uh, the more peanut buttered the effect across the entire country has as far as what the equipment value costs and, and you know, what customers are going to do what, what the expectations are. You're right, we do get some more, you know, low-rate financing and we can get, you know, you know warranties with PowerGuard or whoever it might be that you decide to use and, and, and whatever qualifies for what and all those things kind of come together. But at the end of the day, with this next generation of folks coming in, do you think that online, the online auction aspect of it will become even bigger than what it is now where the live auctions probably won't be, like, for example, there might be 150 people there and there might be six or 800, 900 people on the on the actual auction watching itself. Oh, I think it makes it easy. I mean, let's face it, it you get a, it, it, it's a time commitment to go to these auctions and yeah. it, it's so simple to, to jump online and in the generation that we're in and, and heading into, it's just, it's a way of life. So I, I think it, it, it's certainly something that we'll continue to see, in my opinion. I, I agree. I mean, it's so convenient to get online and, and uh, watch the auction online and you can keep doing other work and, and, in your warm office, and I mean, I got cold that day up there, and it wasn't even. I don't know, it wasn't. I was bundled up, and I was. Uh, I was thinking, man, I wish I was in my office and and warm office. Yeah. But I think, uh, you know, I still like to kick the tires. I still like to look at the stuff, and I think there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of farmers that like to do that. A lot of guys that are buying stuff at auction that like to do that. But uh, I think it depends on where it's at, and and just like the Minnesota auction. I mean, I'll be paying attention to that one, but I think I'm gonna just sit right here in my office and pay attention to it. I I don't know. I It'll be interesting to see what happens. And I think uh, ultimately for Sullivan's and any auction company, I think you got to have a mixture of both. you got to have a good presence at the auction at the site, and then you got to have a good presence online. And, and uh, I think, again, Sullivan did that. Are any of these auctions going to change your approach to how you're going to look at your equipment? Well, I, I tell you, I walk out of this, or excuse me, I walk out of the Sinclair auction, and I feel pretty good about the way our organization looks at looks at values. Truthfully, yeah. I, you know, and, and heard about going to the auction. I, I kind of like to, when you have the time and the ability. I like to go to the auction. It's just a little game I play to, to kind of check our organization versus the marketplace. I, I like to go to the auction, kind of take a stroll around. Before the before the bidding happens, or at least get a line or two ahead of the bidding, and just walk around those pieces, and you know we all probably play this game. You put your number on it, see where you think it falls, where you think it'll retail, where you think you should own it at, all that type of deal, and then just go back and see what happens. And I I feel good after after uh, looking at what happened down there. I, I think truthfully, if that equipment, and, and I have no idea. Uh, how Sinclair's owned it, but if if they owned it owned it right, they probably could have done pretty good out of that deal. So I feel all right, but everybody has to everybody has to look at that via their local market too, and their, the demands of their business and competition and so on and so forth. Yeah, I I agree with you. You know, I I think uh, I left there with you know some confidence in some of the things that uh, you know some of the inventory that we have priced and where we have priced, and thinking you know. I, I feel like we've all gone through 16, which is tough, and, and obviously starting 17 was tough. It's been tough for a while, but, uh, you know, we, I think for a while we were all probably 
trying to figure out when's the bottom going to stop, you know, falling out of this thing, and at, at, you know, whether it be a planter or whether it be, you know, maybe a sprayer. Well, now we're starting to see some traction on them planters. You know, we're starting to see some traction on the sprayers and, and the eight R's, and, and uh, so I think we've we're starting to climb that uh, climb that mountain again, and and see some stronger prices. And uh, so I feel confident we're. We have our retail prices on our equipment, and uh, I left that auction with that confidence. I think it gives us a good opportunity to go sell the value to our customers and, and be confident with our numbers. You know, obviously for a while there, it was hard to be confident with any number. Um, it, you know, you didn't know if you had, and like buying $6 corn and you selling it for $3, you didn't know if you had $4 corn or $5 corn or where it was. And so I think we finally found that bottom and uh, we can start to uh, have confidence in our numbers and, and what we're doing again. Because at least for me, I, I lost a little confidence in the last 24 months, I guess. <clears throat> yeah, I'm the same way. I think I left there feeling pretty good about what we had in inventory and how we were positioned and, and what that looked like and, and the values that we were putting on equipment. So I think we're going to be in good shape moving forward. And, and you know, guys, it's, it's about some stability, right? And, and, and I think all of us walk out of there saying that at least there's some stability in the marketplace. That's but any one of the three of us looked at that stuff and didn't see anything there that was just twenty, thirty thousand dollars off of what we thought it should have been. If anything, it might have been in the positive from where we thought it should have been. Yeah. So that's that's a good that's a good deal. And you know, swinging back to the planners again, it's been made mention. I was really astonished with the values of them, quite frankly, because the, they were they were okay machines on this particular sale, but obviously there was. There was some pent up demand by a few buyers for them because they went, they went really, really good. So same with that toolbar that was talked about earlier. It'd be interesting to see. And the one thing I'm watching and just kind of holding breath on a little bit is we get past the uh, end of the year here and get into January and February, and we turn the calendar and what's uh, you know what's the is the buying going to continue to be strong? And and so I think obviously that's the crystal ball and everybody wanting to know what that's going to be, but uh, um, I'm interested to see what that happens, what happens there. Well, I think we've kind of covered it pretty well there, fellas, so any, uh, you guys have any last parting statements you want to make before we head out here and maybe throw out some wisdom that I don't have to the rest of the world? I don't have any. Okay. <laughs> we're not we're not running an auction house here in uh, northeast Iowa, but if anybody likes Iowa equipment and they didn't get what, uh, what they want on, on the uh, Sinclair sale, come see me. Yeah. <laughs> Give Jack a call. He'll uh, he'll take care of you. He'll take care of you. So, all right, guys. Well, I appreciate you being on, and and uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks, Casey, Aaron, David, Kurt, and Jack. We've got even more used equipment remarketing resources that we're sending your way. In addition to this podcast, we're also tapping into Casey's expertise across all our informational channels, including an Ask the Expert feature on our website where you can ask him your questions directly. Check it out at farm-equipment.com backslash asktheexpert. Thanks once again to Iron Solutions for sponsoring this series. Iron Solutions provides dealers like you with an array of lifecycle management services that drive sales and profits. The Iron Search and Iron Guide suite of solutions is all about managing each dealership more efficiently and profitably, while Iron Search allows you to directly showcase your used equipment online to a wider universe of buyers. Visit www.ironsolutions.com today. If you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or the Google Play Store to get an alert when future episodes are released. 
You can also keep up on the latest industry news by registering online to receive our free newsletters. Visit www.farm-equipment.com. We hope you'll tune in with us for our next episode when Casey talks with Tanner Emke of Cobank. For Casey, Aaron, David, Kurt, and Jack, as well as our entire staff here at Farm Equipment, I'm Kim Schmidt. Thanks for listening.